I'm, I'm grateful for your, um, your comments in the first hour, and uh, I hope that you will take the opportunity to uh, use the resource. It'll be on the Menotora site. Um, there you go. So um, the whole um, file will be up there. Just play it, talk over it, have a good time. Um, in what program did you create the slideshow? This one from 2009 is in PowerPoint, but I will be recreating it into uh, Keynote um, before Sukkot. <laughs> Just to keep in the calendar theme, thank you, yes, yes. Yeah, I didn't say, did I? Yeah. Um, so a couple things uh, tonight. First, um, I did want to announce that my, uh, my family, uh, as of Shavuot, will be uh, on a video diet. Um, we'll be watching video in our home in any shape or form only once a week, uh, as opposed to whenever anybody feels like watching a video. Um, so that we can spend more time reading as a family. We'll be reading to one another. Um, we raised our children that way, had no TV in our home for 26 years, and uh, I think it uh, made a dramatic and profound effect on their character, their ability to think, reason, uh, and talk. It, it didn't do much repeat, but, you know, what can you do? Um, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, we're, we're going to be going back into that mode um, from Shavuot until Sukkot. Um, I haven't told them what year, Sukkot, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's our goal. So um, you're reading the Jewish Gospels, I believe, right? Yes. And I personally finished the book. You probably finished it already? No. Or are you no, still, you're still I'm, moving slow? I'm still moving slow because I'm just between vacation. Yeah. So, so we, we probably maybe 20, 25%. Okay. Um, so we're reading that out loud to the family. Nice. And... Uh, you know, if you if you read it with some some chutzpah, um, you can keep everybody kind of engaged. So we seem to do that uh, for the introduction uh, this uh, this past Sunday. So until uh, Shavuot, we're using Sundays and Wednesday nights for our reading nights, but uh, uh, we'll uh, be increasing that uh, after the uh, diet begins on Shavuot. I'm kind of excited about it. You get some more time there. Yeah. So. Um, that was just an aside. Uh, we've got a Shavuot opportunity, um, thanks to uh, the Oppam family, uh, coming up um, right before Havdalah, uh, this Shabbat. Um, we are thinking as a family of foregoing, that is negating, that is skipping, for those of you from different areas of the country, um, the portion discussion, and simply having Shakarit um, and then Oneg, and then sending everybody home to discuss the portion on their own because we're going to be getting together as a community um, a little bit later. So uh, unless anybody has any uh, problems with that, that's, that's our plan right now. Um, that will allow you to take an earlier Shabbat schnooze prior to the... Uh, Shavuot traditionally is an all-night Torah study. So uh, I know Jonathan has volunteered to... Uh, uh, host that for you. Um, I will be going to bed at a godly hour and leaving the Uphams prior to the one o'clock uh, fallout time. Um, I think I made it to 3.30 last time. It's, uh, it's a tough road to hoe there, but uh, when I wore a younger man's clothes, I'd, I'd be there. Man, is it perfect this year or what? Yeah, Sunday, the 
church. That's right. Yeah, then you're hosed, right? But yeah, first day of the week, uh, Shavuot is on the first day of the week. Um, we will be having a Shacharit service here on Shavuot morning at 10 o'clock. So if you want to come and pray with us, God bless you. If you stayed up all night and you're schnoozing through Shacharit, fine too. Um, but uh, I'll be praying. It may be just me and uh, Pete, because Pete may be in bed. So, um, But Shacharit uh, on Shavuot morning Sunday, this Sunday, uh, will be an opportunity uh, to follow that uh, in the Maksor. I'm sorry, you said Sunday morning you're, you're having Shacharit here? That is correct. So for, so for the diehards who stayed up all night... They just day, swing over here. They just show up for donuts. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. And then, you know, right after Shakarit, you know, that's it. Yes, fall out, right? You know. So, yeah. Hit Denny's on your way. Have the coffee, the uh, massive big breakfast. I'm, I'm thinking... Oh, we can't. It's a Shabbat. Scratch that. Yeah, it's a Yom Tov. So, uh, I think... Greg actually warned us of that in writing that we should uh, prepare that we need we have uh, a double Shabbat coming up both Shabbat this week and Sunday the first day of the week our Shabbats or Shabbatot so uh, you want to do some massive uh, prep on Friday um, for that yes yeah, so you know anyway that's uh, that's the dealio so Here's, here's a concept I just want to uh, put out to you. And this will be short because there's not a lot of us tonight. So I'll get you out of here early. Um, if I were going to knock on your door tomorrow morning and say, uh, Good morning, Greg. I'll be with you all day and all night for the next three days recording everything you say or do. Would you be excited about that opportunity? Or would you be shocked? Would you be concerned? Or would you be carefree about it? Especially when you knew that the audio and video would be posted online for all to see, especially those that know you. Um, how would you feel about that? Alex, how, do you, how would you feel about that? A little, little, little freaky? I'd be surprised. Okay. Would you roll with that punch, or would you uh, just yeah. close the door and say, thank you, I know we gave it the office. <laughs> I'm like, if you want to work uh, 17, 17 hours a day, go ahead. Yeah. Wait, Jonathan? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity to, to refine what it is you do. Okay. Right, that external look. Okay, correct. Not necessarily a bad thing, huh? Okay. Now, you know, what you just said is exactly opposite the mindset of the normal man. And seems to be the rub for those, you know, going to these um, coffee house 
church type settings where they've got the great rock music, the really great coffee, you know, and that kind of deal. Come as you are. So you, you don't you don't feel out of the mainstream, or you do, and you're okay with that. Um, being weird is perfectly fine. Okay. the the uh, the very definition in my mind of marriage right I mean um, it seems obvious from your family and your uh, lifestyle that you married up as I did um, praise God you know God has has used our wives to our greater glory good Johnny sitting at breakfast, they're analyzing what they've done up to this point, and, and they're thinking about it, you know, every detail, they're like, okay, what could I have done better, what could have been more glorifying to God, mm. what did I miss, what did Amazing. I not do, and then from breakfast till lunch, breakfast till lunch, so there's the, there's that time of introspection, just thinking about, analyzing, just, okay, picking apart, just really putting the minutia, the, the details of one's life underneath the microscope mm. and saying, hey, this needs to change. And then again, that lunch to dinner, and so on and so forth. So, it, I, having a visual audio recording of such, you know, of, of just three days, <laughs> just say three hours, you know, um, it wouldn't even have to be such a, a long time. That would give anyone leave to pause and say, hey, what's going on? What's, you know, hey, this is, I'm surprised at myself right here pleasantly. And then others like, I'm sorely disappointed. Yeah. So they're, difficult as it may be, you know, because we all have our flaws, I personally, I would have to welcome it. Okay. Would you give me the whiteboard? Sure. Greg? Well, I would first shake your hand and say, I've always wanted to meet you, Mr. Google. <laughs> that's about what Google does right now. But um, I, I think it would be just another one of those cool reminders that we are 
servant of the Most High, and Amen. that everything we do is being recorded. We, this, in this case, this is a visual reminder, and we, we see that it is being recorded, <clears throat> and it's a great reminder of that it is also being recorded spiritually and, Thank you, and in the heavenly. So that, that, would be, that would be really cool Good. to have that. Right. We give the highest priority to that which we do. That's sad but true. So if I spend my lunchtime shooting pool instead of studying my Bible, what have I just made clear for that period of time? Unquestionably. Anybody? Shooting pool was more important than studying the Bible. Shooting pool was more, more important than studying the Bible. It's as simple as that. And there's no other spin you can put on it. That's a fact. Yes. Speaking of time, um, I read that uh, the rabbis say that not only will you answer for what you have done, but you will answer for things that you haven't done. Being the time that you have, did you use it to do good? God, for his kingdom, or did you use it, like, well, not nothing wrong with the pool, but... Go ahead, that's right, I can, I can take it. Well, right, right, right. No, well, I'm just saying in, 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 in general that um, you know, God created things for us to enjoy as well, but at the same time, uh, you know, the things that we 
just sat around and done nothing at all. Amen. We'll answer for that as well. Yeah. Good. I agree. Yes, sir. Just picking up on that, on the concept of what we not, what we don't do is the same way important as what we do. And uh, actually, Alex and I had a great conversation about this topic uh, uh, sitting on the deck over the smoke. That's great. Uh, in the context of righteousness, because, uh, or I think you may have been in the discussion as well, the, the whole idea of, of you know, how, however you wanted to phrase it, you know, righteousness versus justification, temporal righteousness, eternal righteousness, that, that dichotomy, right? And how is it that a righteous man, such as the prophet Isaiah, recognizes that he's a man of unclean lips and dwells among unclean people, yet clearly he's a Zadik with a very unique relationship to Hashem. Absolutely. So he's righteous, but yet in his righteousness he realizes that his righteousness doesn't mean squat, Right? And part of it gets back to this idea of it's not just what we do, because we know if we do righteous, if we do the Torah, if we keep the mitzvot, those are acts of righteousness. Without question. Call it anything, anything less. That's what God calls them. But, but part of part of part of what comes to bear in that is. You know, if you use the, I think the example we talked about was helping the little old lady across the street, right? If I help the little old lady across the street, have I done a good deed? Absolutely. Was it an act of righteousness? Well, of course. So, but why does that not buy me, as it were, justification in a place in the in the world to come? Because it ignores all the other old ladies that I could have helped and never and didn't because I was too busy or I thought I was too busy or I made some excuse and I didn't help them and I should have. All of the stuff that we don't do, that plays into our, you know, our quote-unquote righteousness Amen. as well. That's exactly right. And that's like a murderer standing before the judge saying, well, judge, look at all the people I didn't kill. I mean, that's, that's the aspect we have as sinners of, of trying to justify anything based on what we have brought or what we you know, had the opportunity to sin, didn't. It means absolutely nothing in retrospect. And I think when, it, when the uh, Hebrew word olam appears in almost every blessing, olam uh, is, uh, has, is, is, is the word for space and time. God is king over space and time, uh, and He's supposed to be subject over what what occupies your space, your your belongings, and what occupies your time. Um, and if and if either of those are out of sync, then He isn't your Lord of you know he's of Leolam of everything, uh, and you've got a big problem there. Amen. Now I'm flabbergasted, actually. I've been. 
I've been teaching men for 35 years. I got eight guys in this room, and every one of you said it'd be fine to have me come banging on your door or for me to send somebody to come banging on your door first thing in the morning with a video camera. I think you're all full of crap. I think you'd be absolutely shocked, dismayed, and have to turn around and tell your wife, this guy with the camera is going to be here all day. I don't think it'd be quite as comfortable as you're making it seem. Be that as it may, I'm paying the guy to come over a lot of money, so he's going to be persistent. But as much as I say that, focusing on the don'ts, I think is a sign of maturity. By that I mean, even even the flaming pagan knows that he's not doing what he ought but to know from the word of God that you are doing what you must do. You are doing what is expected is the first step in focusing on the fact that there are times when you're not doing anything wrong. You're just not doing anything. I get a real kick out of playing solitaire. Specifically on my iPad, because for the first time I don't have to worry about shuffling the cards and having one of them fly across the room or getting one of those hand cramps, you know, and all the cards are everywhere. Um, you know. um, but it is amazing to have it all just in the, you know, behind the glass there. And uh, I, I love to just sit and relax and play solitaire. And I've, I've learned a couple of things. I've learned that at times you can't win. Unless you pull some cards back off of the aces pile and bring them back into the game in order to facilitate getting some other cards out of the deck. And I think it's the same thing with our life in Messiah. There are some times where we've done some great and righteous and noble things And at those times, we want to rest. We want to take a break. And it's at those very times that we need to recognize that there are some times and things that God has given us for enjoyment and amusement and whatnot. But it may be just those very times that we're sitting idly where we need to pull back from the ace's pile and step up. When is it that the guy calls and says, I know I haven't been to the daddy class in three years, but I really need some help moving my stuff out of my apartment. When does that happen? First thing in the morning when you can plan it? When you're fresh as a daisy and ready to go? Or does it happen at the end of a long day when you've been beat up? And you're ready to put your feet up and play solitaire. But that's when the rubber meets the road, and that's when we need to step up. We're not in that, in that group that needs to worry about doing wrong. 
I like to think that the people in this room don't naturally any longer do wrong. We choose to do right. So we focus on what we're not doing. We focus on how we're spending our time when we're not doing righteousness. Now, I personally believe that, as Alex said, God does desire. God is pleased when we rest in Him. I just question if I take that a little over the top and prefer to spend a little more time in solitaire than maybe He intended in the beginning. Maybe it's the times of community where He intended that we would sit back, relax with a glass of wine and marvel at His wonder and His grace and His His blessings in our lives. Maybe it's those community times like Shavuot when we should. And I think this is where we can we can look at great Zadikim, both biblical characters that we have examples of, as well as uh, just the sages down through the ages and, and so forth down through the years. I, I just read uh, in the spring. I read uh, a biography on. The Babasali, who was. I'm not familiar with him. Babasali was a Sephardic sage who. Uh, you, t- you guys tend to lean that way. Who died in. Uh, I, want to, I think he died in like early 90s. So he just relatively recent. But uh, he was born at the turn of the last century in Yemen. and But. Uh, and then later in life. Ready to Israel and spent this. You know, he died at the age of 104 or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, but this guy's life was just incredible. You know, uh, things like uh, he would fast six days a week and only eat on Shabbat. And he did this for years and nobody knew it, including his own wife. He would be in his study praying and, you know, whatever. She would bring, she'd bring food into him at mealtime and leave and, you know, and then go get the empty dishes later. You know, and she just thought for years he was eating food that she brought him. He was giving it away to people because he had constant people coming in and out of his studying, wanting consultation, wanting prayer, wanting right. blessings, wanting this, wanting that. And he would give away all the food, and she thought he was eating it. And he was fasting and praying six days a week for years. You know? I mean, uh, one one story, his, his wife uh, walked into his office and uh, found him kneeling on the floor and there's this puddle of water and she thought that he had spilled a glass of water and he was on the floor trying to pick it up so she walks in and and she starts to help him and he kind of says you know, kind of looks up and she sees he had been sobbing and he said what are you 
you know, what are you doing? I'm praying. And, and she said, well, I saw the water. I thought you spilled something. And, and he said, no, I've just been crying for the needs of my community. You know? And there's just like, literally, this the way it's described, is this pool of water on the floor. You know? I mean, just things like that. And of course, the guy, you know, miracles. I mean, you, you talk about signs of, you know, uh, signs and wonders. I mean, some of the things that happened in this guy's life, you know, just incredible. Uh, his Torah wisdom and everything, and the dedication, the piety, it's just, you know, it's just, you, know, you read somebody's life like that, and you think, I am just a wuss. You know, what am I, what am I doing? You know? Uh, that's, and, that's the point. Right. That's the whole idea. Is but, but it can be inspirational when we look at, at people that seemingly are ordinary Joes, right? But yet they have this incredible walk <laughs> and incredible relationship with God. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's great. And I think the focusing on what we don't do or how we're, what we're not doing or how we're spending our time... A lot from people great, great like you come before us. Amen. Who is this guy? Maimonides is the Rambam. What's that? That's an acronym standing for Rabbi Moshe Ben Maimon. Not to be confused with Nachmanides or the Ramban, um, but Rambam, if you want to read about his, his life, uh, is, the guy's a doctor. But he worked from sun up to long past sundown every day. And his family was extraordinarily concerned that he physically wouldn't be able to make it because he was just pushing, he's working such long Days there was no time for solitaire. So, the question for you tonight is Is it possible that once we understand the, the walk of Torah, the expectation, I would go so far as to say, the demands of God? Is it possible that we plateau? That we come to a point where you're going to get great accolades from man and maybe even an attaboy from God. But the difference between there and Chazal, these great men of faith, is not doing the do's. Nor is it not doing the don'ts. It's what you do when you're not doing anything. I think really that's where it's at. I, uh, when I was, when I wore a much younger man's clothes, I used to ask God to use me that I had spent enough time in debauchery 
as a young man and desired to be used by him. Some great man once said, don't, you know, be careful for what you wish for when you're 20, because when you're 40, you'll have it. Um, and that certainly came to pass in, in my life. Um, but I'm, I'm looking now at these great men of faith as we read about these men. Uh, Rescuing the Rebbe Belts. Great book. Um, I'm sure it's available on Art Scroll. Isn't everything? Yes. Um, but uh, they just want to get this guy out for the war. Get him out. And he's so consumed with helping people every moment of every day. He almost loses his life just saving others. And sometimes he's saving them just by spending some time talking with them. It's not like he's providing miracles or great fonts of wisdom. Well, I'd like to challenge you tonight, men, not as one who has arrived, but one who's on the journey with you, that maybe we should look a little bit more at how much we play solitaire and just recognize that it doesn't necessarily need to be outside the family. But are we ministering all the time? Are we, are we doing what we need to be doing so consistently that when the guy comes in with the camera, he's ready to go to bed and call it a night. But you're still at it whatever it may be. Ministering to others, studying, preparing a class, whatever it may be. Um, The scriptures, especially in Proverbs, speak a great deal, volumes in fact, about using the time wisely. Um, I'm not any more concerned about my life being recorded. I'm really not. I'm really not concerned about sitting on the couch with friends, family, and Zadikim watching my daily walk. Will I have some points where I'm embarrassed? Absolutely. Will I have some points where I wish I would have said something or done something differently? Absolutely. It doesn't bother me. What does bother me is when I contemplate sitting before the Most High God who created the heavens and the earth and he's just tapping his foot as we watch my life and all the time I waste it. And he's just wondering why I didn't redeem the time.
These people. I used to, uh, 20 years ago, um, when I worked outside the home, uh, my wife uh, graciously clued me in that my, uh, my responsiveness to her and the family upon my arrival was less than stellar. Um, so I got in the habit of parking a block away from the home and I would just pull over and park. And sometimes I actually had to turn the car off until I left the office behind and refocused and rededicated. And then I'd drive in and uh, good, uh, good reminder. Yes, sir. I was going to mention that Dale Carnegie in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I don't know how st- scientific this is, but he mentions that the average person thinks about themselves about 90% of the time. And just sharing how, looking at my own life, man, that is so true. Every every time, everything that we do, we're, we're always just thinking about ourselves. And it's amazing what can happen when you just make a conscious effort to change, to, to think about someone else. And that's truly like the servant's heart. Amen. Someone who is always thinking about others and even forgets about himself sometimes. So that was really shocking and and sort of a slap in the face for me. And uh, one other thing that I kind of feel is a big, kind of a big deal is where, and I'm guilty of this so, so much, and this is something that I definitely want to change, but it's like when you are always talking about what you 
want to do or the plans that you have or something that you, you're going to do, but then you don't actually do it. And it's almost like you're trying to reap the rewards for doing it by mentioning it to somebody so that they think higher of you or something like that. Right. And then nothing really gets done and no one's helped. So I've, I think it's uh, that's another important thing is not really for the, the talking about what you're doing, but it's actually the doing of it that's you're important. You bet. Uh, I think that... Uh, When we live in the dream of what we will do, there's two things that get missed. The doing of the dream and the doing of what could have been done while we were talking about the dream, which is where my feeling is. You may be still in a dream, but I'm still dealing with the, the today stuff. Good, good point, good point. You know, this is called an Italian proverb. I'm sure it's probably Italian, you know. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, it's just crap, then it's not Italian, you know. <laughs> uh, but the thought goes like this. Don't fear failure, but rather fear succeeding at something that doesn't matter. Oh, wow. Let's do that again. Don't fear failure, rather, rather fear, fear succeeding that's something that doesn't matter. Ouch! I'm a great skateboarder. <laughs> so, so if your goal is to, uh, to, to beat the solitary game, game or to beat the video game, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're successful, big whoop de doo. <laughs> so that. That's that good. should be in the Bible. That should be. That should be. And it, 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 it probably is in the Hebrew. You've just missed it in the translation. That's right. That's right. Uh, but, uh, the, other, the other thought, and I've, and I've told myself over and over, maybe one day I'll actually find out to get this done, but the idea that when I wake up today, today is the first day. So, if today is the first day, then what am I going to do with the rest of my life? It doesn't matter what's happened up to that point. Today is the first day. So, if you think about that and say, all right, I don't know how many days I have left on this planet, but whatever however many that is, today is the first day of those days. What am I going to do Amen. with that time? You know? And uh, so one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a blog site, firstday.com and, and just you know, exhort people. There it is. Well, it's either that or you'll sell a lot of breakfast cereal. So um, <laughs> I, I do think that uh, there is a truth that we can resonate on with regard to that. And that is, he doesn't know how many days you have left. But I know, without a doubt, you've got one less day than yesterday. We are but a vapor. The days are numbered. He knows how many there are. 
one of the most exhilarating and heartwarming stories is when a man finds out that he's woken up, he's got a brain tumor, he's going to die in three weeks. His life is completely changed, and he's altruistic to the nth degree. These are the, these are the things of great movies, tearjerkers, the chick flicks, as it were. Um, but to me, it's a bellwether of a poor relationship with God. If it takes a brush with death for you to remember the frailty and mortality of your body, come on, I, I, I thought you had a personal relationship with the author of life. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, but maybe you should note it. You know, um, so let's let's not take cancer or the the need for a brush with death. You know, massive car accident, head trauma, whatever it may be. Let's we shouldn't. If any, if there's anybody on the planet, we shouldn't need that. We should know in whose care we are and in whose service we are. I've been uh, I've been watching of late in the news uh, as Mrs. Mrs. Clinton's career as uh, as our Secretary of State is uh, in its sunsetting days, as it were. Um, she has committed to retire. Uh, if not from public service, certainly from being the ambassador uh, for our country globally um, in about four or five more months. Uh, it's interesting. So we'll lose the politics out of it, but uh, the, the, the concept of the ambassador and the good ambassador, the uh, excellent representative of the monarch, if you will, is, uh, is something that should bring home to us as students of the Bible. Um, you know, Jonathan mentioned that uh, Olam is in nearly every blessing. Yeah, well, Melech Olam is that phrase. You know, he is the king of everything. And we are his ambassadors. Um, and I think that if we, uh, if we focus on that, we need to recognize that the words of the Master regarding our relationship with father and mother, brother and sister, and that being insufficient in comparison to our love to him, really doesn't need to be strained to some of the weirdness that I've heard from the pulpits over the years, but rather can be best portrayed as an ambassador. If you're an ambassador for a king and you happen to have a wife and family in a foreign country while you may love them to the point of death, the idea would be that your representation as ambassador for that king, even to them, is critical. 
should override love for them so that you might be the best ambassador for him in every way, on every day, in every hour. Well, maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm just recognizing that I tire more easily, uh, or that uh, I, 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 I get just this selfish pleasure when I sit and make my granddaughter giggle. Um, introspection is not a bad thing. And I'm thrilled that my walk has moved from trying to convince men steeped in paganism and the worldly affairs, trying to convince them that it's not so much that they don't do the don'ts, but they spend their time doing the do's. And I've now moved to the point where I spend the vast majority of my life with those who do the do's and don't do the don'ts. But what do you do when you're not doing the do's and you're not doing the don'ts? I believe there's a biblical term for that. I believe there's a biblical place for that. And I would challenge you to study the scriptures this week, a few days we have left, and at Shavuot, when we meet as a community, you tell me what you found. What's that called? What does God call that? You're not doing the do's, and you're not doing the don'ts. Where are you? What are you doing? What does God call it? I'm done. Comments? Final? I appreciate each one of you. Alex, I'm glad you came. Um, you should really come more often, but I won't, I won't press it. Let's... Uh, Let's close. Would you close us in prayer?